at 700,000 I sell. I sell to Andrew's call at 700,000 all done. Goes for 700,000. 700,000. Goes to Entei New Zealand Limited, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, does it? What? 700,000 reaching deep into those very deep pockets of his was Cameron Roger, the Managing Director of Entain NZ. Uh, this is quite a funny time to be catching up with Cam, actually, because tomorrow we're all going to be uh, under one roof. We pretty much are anyway. We've been rowing in the same direction for New Zealand Racing here at SCNZ. Myself personally, Cam and his team at Entain and TAB. And last night, the NZB Kiwi slot auction took place. And these these slots for this race... So we're talking slot racing. They had a $450,000 reserve on them, and they went gangbusters, all being knocked down between 675, I think it was, and 700, so, and 725 even, which was just fantastic. The people that ended up with the slots, this is some great names and characters here of our racing scene. John Chu from Singapore, actually, or he races with the, the grey guys up in Singapore, um, got involved. Clotworthy Racing with Kerry Spence, Bloodstock, got involved. That was awesome to see Sean having a good time. Wexford Stables, Lance was very itchy, wasn't it? Wasn't he? Didn't he want to get involved? Daniel Narkley, one of the genuinely good guys. Tiaka Racing, of course they'd be involved. Aussie Care. A bit of Australian interest in New Zealand. Andrew Forsman snuck in there for 675. Gee, that must have uh, bothered Tony Pike, who was trying to get a bit of action and, and kind of gave up at that point. Then Cambridge Stud took the last slot for 700,000. So, a big windfall, an absolute raging success. $450,000 reserve, and that's where we got to. Cameron Rogers on the line now to talk to us about the evening and what it felt like to get his, um, his bidding shoes on and, and play with the big guys. Cam, morning to you, mate. How did it go? Hey, Louie. Good, mate. Yeah, it went really well. I think you summarised it pretty pretty well there. I think um certainly exceeded our wildest dreams in terms of what price we might have to pay for um to get involved. But, yeah, I think when we saw those cast of characters that you, you named, many of whom were, were in before us, we, we felt like we had to do a few emergency budget increases and, and find a way because um, we, we didn't want to be left out. We didn't want to be without a date to the dance, if that makes sense. So, yeah, we're pretty thrilled today. Look, a lot of this went over my head because I was speaking to Bruce Sharrick last week and I said, you know, this is, I don't even want to start running the math and I, there must be tactics involved here and who you think's going to bid and I know there was kind of 40 odd expressions of interest or re registered bidders and we've never really seen something like this here in New Zealand where you actually had to bid for the slot and, and then if you look at the prize money of the races, like, you know, there's a very good chance with the right horse people are going to make a serious profit here. But what did your calculations look like in the mean in the uh, kind of preview when you were trying to work it out? How deep you were going to have to go, and and how did you guys go in there? What was the theory? <laughs> well, it changed about fifty times in the lead up. To be honest with you, Louis. Um, look, I think from our perspective, we we sort of tried to take a look at the value of the whole thing, right? So there's there's a few components to that. I mean, there's the the prize money that you get the chance to race for, obviously, and in our case. We have to factor into that doing a deal with a with a horse because obviously we don't we don't race our own yet. Um, we we might have some in the TAB Racing Club in, in later years that we can potentially or hopefully have a chance to to utilise that. But then there's other parts of it that maybe don't get talked about as much that that have value. So, I mean, obviously the promotion that you get as a slot holder. I know the NZTR already underway with um, a few different plans to help highlight um, you know those who got involved and, and bring some profile to their operations, which which will include us and, along with some of the, the trainers and others that were involved too and. And then there's the um, sort of back end 
rights to have a go in later years as well. You know, we take a look at something like the Everest. You know, those 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 um, slots, what what were paid up front, is is, is sort of um, pales in comparison to what the value of actually being in the game is nowadays. So, you know, when you factor in all of those elements, you know, we we certainly think the price is fair. Um, even if we didn't think we'd have to go that high to get involved, if that makes sense. Okay, so explain that to us because I wasn't aware of this. There are benefits of getting involved in the early conception. Does that give you what um, a kind of pr- preferential uh, opportunity like in the later years of the race? Explain that dynamic. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, I think that being a foundational um, being a foundational slot holder, you're probably going to get the rub of the green um, later on, if that makes sense. So I don't know if there's any set um, set criteria about how that will play, but. You know, we've seen it with other slots that, you know, generally the, the race will look after those who got involved early on. If, even if it's just a chance to buy in at the market rate or whatever that might looks like, um, mm. you know, we'd expect that there'd be something like that going on. Certainly what we've seen elsewhere, even if it's not um, if it's not fully set out up front. So we're hopeful for something something like that because, yeah, people got people dug pretty deep to, to get involved early on, um, which I think was great to see. Well, look, you've been a major part of this Intain NZ that, that is with NZTR and revamping our summer calendar. Um, we spoke to you about that and, and how this kind of all fits in. This gives us a very, like a genuine premiere event. We've got the Karakamillion Night, of course, we've got the Derby. We have got some highlights of our racing calendar, but this gives us a high stake money um, uh, slot race for the three-year-olds, which makes perfect sense of where it sits on the calendar. It makes perfect sense with who might want to be involved. And I can totally understand why it's an interest to be involved. Um, do you now have to work with, and do you already, when does the work begin to find the horse to fill it, though? Because, you know, there's going to be, it's quite interesting. This is not until next year, but and I know we're only in February, but all of a sudden you start to hear the whispers of which horse is kind of the right horse for the race and you're going to have spies on the ground to kind of work out where you want to go. You don't want to miss out and all of a sudden be left without a runner. So when does that work start and who who does that for you? Is this you? Is, have you given yourself another hat to wear within the business? <laughs> it's a good question, man. I mean, it's an interesting one with this race, obviously. There's, there's, you know, the favourite for the Kiwi may not have stepped onto a racetrack yet, obviously. Um, yeah. So it's it's a little bit tougher than, than some of the others, obviously. Um, and we like that component. We liked, obviously, like you said, where it sits in the calendar, the um, the condition of three-year-olds. I mean, you see with some of the other races, the Everest is probably a good example. You know, it's won multiple times by by one horse. So um, that obviously can't happen here, which we, which we thought was great. But, yeah, I mean, we've got some experience of finding horses for slots. Obviously, we had I Wish I Won in the Everest, and we're in the process of finding our Quokka horse at the moment. Um and yeah, it really is a bit of a, a not a full time gig, but it's something you have to be on all the time. I mean, there's a limited number of horses that can be competitive in in, in any kind of um, race, and this one will be no different. So um, our work started last night. Actually, we had our first conversation around a potential horse, and you know that's not saying we're going to sign on the dotted line now. It's obviously far far too far away at the moment, but we've we've learned pretty quickly that if you're not in the conversation early around potentials, um, you know, you can find yourself um, you know, searching pretty hard at the end there, um, when the time comes. So yeah, um Lachlan, I and Jess and a few others, we sort of all um have our, our ears to the ground on potentials and we have conversations as we go through and yeah, hopefully we can we can land a good one. There is there's an opportunity here with the amount that these slots went for for NZTR to now get a bit creative with how they market this and I've just I'm just reading here um, 
Bruce Sharrick talking about there could be lead-up races, there could be different ways to market it, there could be uh, bonus options in, involved. And this is only possible with the, the way the interest that kind of this was taken. And, I mean, this is – it's kind of staggering. I keep saying I'm almost like my head's spinning about where we're at in our game and how far we've got there. It's only kind of – well, what is it? Just more than half a year on since we kind of even found out about Entain and learned a little bit about them. And now you guys are paying $700,000 for a slot, so is Cambridge Stud and all these other industry players, and we're talking about, well, should we be creating lead-up races for our three-year-old slot race? It's like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? The the world in which we came from to the world in which we live in now, it's kind of hard to get your head around. Yeah, no, it's hard for me as well, Lloyd, sometimes. And, yeah, this is a good example. I mean, you mentioned at the start there that um, you've never seen something like this in New Zealand. This was was truly world-leading by NZTR, right? I mean... I don't think there's been any um, slot race of any value, at least, that's had um, that many slots available for auction. In fact, maybe none just yet. I know that Magic's is doing um, a single slot, um, a single auction, auctioning a single slot. But you know that was real, genuine innovation that we saw last night. And I mean, I thought the broadcast was fantastic. And then you know to, to be able to think through what MGTR might be able to do with the, that pot. Like I know there was a lot of discussion about where it will go, but we, we sort of had no concern because we know that there's a big commitment to utilising it to, to promote the race. And you know you've got to give them the credit based on how well um, last night was run. You know their, the, the the auction concept. Why would you not back them to to, to utilise that really well to promote the profile of the race and to give slot holders and everyone else a, a crack at even more sort of um, upside. Like we, we honestly think that they'll do a great job and we can't wait to see what they come up with. There's so many options now with what's in the pot. Okay, so I'm going to take this somewhere else now. And you, yeah, because you've got me thinking about it. And Mick and me spoke about this on the mail run on Saturday. The way in which the codes have been able to, on various levels, with success, being able to utilise Entain's um, injection into the industry. And, and NZTR have, you know, with their leadership structure and Cam and Bruce being there and kind of taking over when Bruce did, they were in a very good position to, with a pretty, you know, innovative guy who's, who can be pretty cutthroat and knows exactly what is good and isn't afraid to tell you that. Um, they were in a really strong position to be able to work with you guys and to, this is what probably why this is world leading and this works so well. They were in a, you know, they'd kind of been able to sort out their back room ready for the Intain injection. What responsibility and, and who in the Intain business works directly with the codes? Can you just give us like a, you don't have to give us exactly all the inner workings, but I'm just curious, how closely do you work with the codes? It's a question I've had before and how does that process unfold? Because, as Mick pointed out, Harness Racing's in a little bit of flux at the moment with their leadership, and they've got work to do to be able to capitalise and move themselves forward. The Greyhound industry is another um, story altogether. But how do you guys work with them? What's the process like? And from your perspective, how pleased have you been with the thoroughbred code that they have been able to put themselves in a strong position to leap forward and capitalise on this momentum? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, um, Louis, I guess, we're pretty hands-on. Like, I guess some of the, the faces you see around from the Intain business are pretty hands-on in terms of the code relationship. So, you know, largely as um, um, myself, uh, Lock and Fit, who many of you would have, many of um, the people in the industry would have seen and heard from, and Jess Meach, who, who do a lot of the, I guess, general liaising with code leadership. So, I mean, as an example, we went to the NZTR board meeting yesterday. We 
a 40-page slide deck which we all put together ourselves to, to talk through about how things are going and certain things that we think we are good opportunities. And, you know, that, that engagement is pretty direct at, at that level, to be honest with you. Um, okay. And it's, it's, it's good because, you know, I think in terms of the difference between the, the, the codes, I think one thing we keep reminding everyone or trying to remind everyone is something you said as well. That, you know, it's only been sort of seven, eight months that we've really had the keys and, um, you know, we are at the same time trying to, not trying to, but we are about to migrate our business to a new bidding platform. We've got, you know, I, I keep saying 150 hours corrected the other day. It's probably about 250 heads across the business working on just that. Um, you know, there's a lot of day-to-day -day management of the trackside rebrand and everything else that we're doing all at once. Obviously, the SCNZ deal, which is, is set to go through at midnight, I think, tonight. And, you know, all that stuff is taking up a lot of a lot of time. Um, so we have to find space um, for that as well. And I think in terms of the difference between thoroughbreds and harness, it's really just a matter of, of time, Louis. I know that um, there's a little bit of um, there's been a little bit of disruption at the management level with with harness and and greyhounds have got a few things that they're dealing with at the moment as well. But that doesn't really factor into our engagement with them. It's really just been, hey, we always had a plan to try and kick into um, thoroughbred racing at the start, and we've made really good traction with them. The team were set up really really well, as you say, to embrace it all and to and to come up and and step up to the plate with some some of their own ideas and everything else. But I have no doubt that the other two codes will follow follow suit really fast once we get a bit, bit of clear air to, to get involved with them. And it's already started. We had a really good session with Harness last week around some some quick wins and some some bigger um, sort of blue sky thinking that we're doing in that space with them. And that's all starting to track really well as well. So it really is just a case of time. And you know, as we say, we've only been here for a short period, but we think we can make massive traction uh, with those codes as well. So we can't wait to get into it. How important is sports betting to Inter New Zealand? Oh, critical. Um, I know we spend a lot of time talking about, about, about racing and, and whatnot, and then obviously it's a central part of our strategy here to, to get domestic racing flying, but look, sports betting is still 25% of our revenue, and you know, we, we see a huge, a huge future. And I guess the one thing I will say about sports betting um, that's really critical is the betting platform itself is really, really essential. I mean, that is the thing that can drive sports betting um, activity more than anything else. Um, you know, we don't have the same degree of ability to influence the product supply, obviously, especially with the large majority of it being on offshore, offshore, um, offshore product. But you know, I think our sports punters won't know themselves. They'll they'll realise when our platform migration happens and they see you know some of our tokenized generosity options, the same game multi um, product improving out of sight, some of the vision integration that we're going to have. They're going to be very very well served by this partnership as well, which I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. Did we have the necessary IP in New Zealand before the Intain merger or um, a, a strategic partnership with the TAB as far as sports betting went? Did we have, because we had some very intelligent racing minds, um, I don't know whether yeah. they were all, all being uh, able to flourish under certain versions of leadership, you don't have to comment on that, but I was more meaning sports betting, Intain has brought a huge amount of IP with them in that realm, is that like a huge upgrade as far as the intellect that's going into what you are about to see as far as a punter from you know whenever you get this new platform up and running mm. it's not a question of intellect per se Lou. i think we, we I mean, there's some incredibly smart people working in this business um before on all sides of the equation but the one thing that you can't deny is the access to scale right which was always a big part of the partnership i think you know i look back and i know that the industry was always um, you know, pretty unhappy with the amount that was being spent on the tech platform and, and whatnot. I think we used to put about 15 million a year into that. I mean, that's yeah. just that's a month's worth of investment in the entire world, right? So, um, you know, ultimately, money talks when it comes to um, quality of tech services. And look, 
it was just always going to be very, very, very difficult to put out a competitive uh, product when the budgets down here just could not compete with what you see in other jurisdictions. And so, you know, that is the beauty of the partnership. We get access to, you know, at no, that's where the synergy comes in. It's not a huge additional cost for us to be able to apply the platform that we're already building in Australia with, with a few tweaks to make it suitable for the New Zealand market down here. Um, but we're going to get access to world-class product without that level of investment needed in this market. So that is the biggest thing is that access to scale. And I think, you know, we could have probably spent, um, we could have had the sharpest minds in the world, but if the budgets are, mm. you know, one twentieth of what we're seeing um, over there, then it's just always going to be very, very difficult to compete. Mm. No, that makes sense. That That is actually very well explained. Mate, I've um, kind of sabotaged our chat with a, a bunch of questions I just kind of had generally. So uh, I'll let you crack on with your, your morning. But, I mean, what a – actually, before you go, just give us the give us the no BS, the just – because you're a pretty decent guy. Give us the, the feel – give us your vibe check on the auditorium, the Patrick Hogan – auditorium last night as this is going down people are bidding for slot auction uh, slots in a slot race for three-year-olds for three and a half million dollars in year one and just as you say like we've come so far so fast what was the cam roger vibe check what was it did you are you blowing away are you feeling good talk us through it no, I know. I try to play it cool. I don't know if I do do that well, but you know, I am like you, and that my head spins sometimes to think about just how far and how fast things um, have come along. And you know, like it's an industry that people used to say was negative, right? And I think the the theory that we've proven, um, I think, really, really well, is that it never really was. It was just a case of maybe there was plenty to be negative about, I suppose, previously. Because you know, you looked around the room last night. There are people willing to to invest in a in a slot race that's it's going to be taking money out of their pocket, significant amounts of money, three years from now. I mean, we didn't have people who were prepared to look past a one-year horizon just a short time ago. So, yeah, I was super proud to see it. I mean, I think that that vote of confidence from the industry is huge for NZTR, it's huge for us, and it's huge for anyone who's looking to get into the game down here. I mean, I think for the first time, everyone's really believing that there's a strong future in all this. And, yeah, I think that that coming through last night was probably the thing that made me most happy. And, yeah, every time we, we sort of see another initiative come through down in New Zealand, that, that vibe just seems to get stronger. So, yeah, onwards. Mm, love it. Absolutely love it, mate. You, you did a pretty good job. You had, like, a really straight face. Uh, you, you did a re- pretty good job, but you could tell that there was a little bit of, you know, there was plenty going on in your dome. Um, and I would just love to know what the conversation between Tony Pike and Andrew Forsman is at Cambridge this morning, because I swear Pikey was trying to get involved and kind of got blown out a couple of times, and then Forsman swooped in and managed to get the, the uh, second to last slot. So <laughs> I think there's some really cool dynamics that came from it. It was really good production as well. So good having Bruce Shue and more Bruce Shue and on trackside actually yeah, he, with Emily. That He was fantastic. Uh, he did great, mate. And I think as well, like, I mean, credit to the team that put the auditorium together. I know um, Ed I had Emma Thompson over there and we had a few team from our team with Cheryl and Alicia and Jessinus working really hard. It just looked so great. Um, the production value was awesome. Bruce was great. And, yeah, great to see Trackside back in the NZB building. It was awesome. Yep, absolutely. Cam, really appreciate it, mate. We'll let you crack on with your uh, Wednesday morning. Thanks, Lloyd. Appreciate it.